Good morning, everybody, and it is Wednesday, the 26th of August, and all that work we did yesterday was looking so good early yesterday morning, up 70 points, and today we are down 77. Not good, and all the good work done on recovery stocks or in recovery stocks being reversed today with the banks down 2%-ish and travel stocks, Flight Center, Webjet down 5% and 3%. Not really what we wanted to see. I really was hoping that recovery theme, which was built on vaccine optimism yesterday, was going to follow through today, but not to be. Of course, it's not helped by a few ex-dividends, Telstra, AGL, Suncorp. Looking at some of the results today, we are into the tail end of the results season, and it's pretty ugly stuff, it's got to be said. Let me read you some of the headlines off the AFR live summary. Whitehaven Coal underlying profit slides from 564.9 million to 30 million. Whitehaven's down 12.5%. Japara Healthcare says operations significantly impacted by COVID-19. Price down 3.1%. AMA Group sinks to $70.3 million loss. Share price down 13%. Levisa net profit down 48%. Share price down 6.1%. Thought those could have been a lot better, actually. Bravura guides for flat FY 2021. Share price down 14.4%. Eager's automotive profit drops 72%. Share price down 2.7%. Whisper beats forecasts. Share price down 7.7%. And on the flip side of all that, Cleanway is the standout today up 8.3% on results. It's worth remembering that the beginning of a results season tends to see the bigger companies reporting, tends to see the better results. And at the end of the results season, smaller companies that don't have set dates, that leave it till the last minute, tend to have worse results, it has to be said. And you'll find on Monday, which is the last day of the results season, even after the market has closed, you will find a plethora of smaller companies reporting their results before the cutoff. Anyway, not such a good day today on the results front. Now let's get to a bit of strategy. Pet barn, I've called the strategy section today. One of my daughters was looking for a job or is looking for a job and there was a casual job came up at Pet Barn yesterday, which was packing online boxes. And her response was, oh, I better apply for that before JobKeeper ends and everybody else starts looking for a job. I thought, well, clever girl. She made quite a good stockbroker actually, getting ahead of the curve. Seeing what's going to happen rather than thinking to herself, well, I'm on JobKeeper, so I'll just sit on this until it runs out and then I'll go looking for a job. Of course, by the time she does that, everybody's going to be looking for a job. And it's a little bit like the stock market. You sort of have to get ahead of the curve. And when it comes to the stock market, you probably need to assume that everything everybody knows is already in the share price. And if that's the case, what's going to move the price is not what everybody knows, but what everybody doesn't know. Not what everybody is getting right, but working out what everybody is getting wrong. For instance, instance, if Woolworths, which has its results tomorrow, and the forecast, the consensus forecaster is for a $1.3 billion net profit. If it makes a $1.3 billion net profit, the share price isn't going to move. So share prices move on new information, on the unexpected, on surprises. They don't move on current expectations. So catch 22, making money in the stock market. 
is about predicting the unexpected because these are the things that are going to change share prices, the themes and trends that change current expectations. So let's just have a little think about what's happening in the stock market at the moment. At the moment, the current expectation is that what is happening at the moment is going to continue. We're all going to be sitting at home more, shopping online using buy now, pay later, funded in some cases by government stimulus checks. We're going to be buying things for our houses, sofas, electronics, homewares, TVs. Everything's going to be delivered to us. We're not going to go to shopping centers. We're going to be sitting in front of the internet a lot. We're not going to be driving our cars as much. We're not going to be buying petrol. We're not going to be going into the office as much, if at all. We're not going to go to restaurants. We're not going on holiday. We're not going to be traveling. We're certainly not going to be traveling internationally. We're expecting the housing market to fall, in brackets, until June next year, close brackets. We expect interest rates are going to be zero, possibly forever. The inflation has disappeared completely when never coming back. And that any business that's online, be it retail from Kogan or buy now, pay later like Afterpay, or be it the big ones like Facebook or Netflix or Microsoft, all those online businesses are expected to boom forever, whilst traditional bricks and mortar retail offices and shopping centers are dead. Now that is all in the price. Now, as I say, what's going to move prices from here is when the unexpected happens. So you've got to ask what's not in the price. And what's not in the price, if you can imagine it, is an end of the virus concerns. Whether that comes with a vaccine, and the evidence for that seems to be building daily, or whether it comes with a reduction in death rates, which is just as good, and that'll come through, it's already coming through better treatments, ingrained social changes, a healthcare system that's better prepared. So it is coming. And when it arrives, and those JobKeeper payments end, and suddenly everybody wants to get the job at Pet Barn, all at the same time, there are going to be a host of things happening that you can imagine now, but are not currently priced into the stock market. And whilst these things change, the current winners, buy now, pay later, gold, online businesses, are going to lose their shine. So let's go through a few things that will very likely change in the stock market and change the themes in the stock market if the virus goes away. Things like this. The job market is going to become very busy. Once JobKeeper comes off, everybody's going to be looking for a job and it's going to be much harder to get a job. Everyone will want to go to work. I don't know whether you've got four kids, but I have. I wouldn't mind getting back into the office despite all this how fantastic it is to work at home stuff. Tell you the truth, I could do with some different people during my day. So we will want to get back to work. We're not going to be sitting at home forever, happily working in our home offices. Also, you won't be able to get a booking at a restaurant. There is this pent-up demand for all sorts of things, and one of them is getting out to a restaurant. They're going to be busy. Other predictions. The Marimbula beach cabins will be booked out till 2023. Airports will be overcrowded, unpleasant places as the whole world tries to take that holiday that they missed last year. The housing market is going to get swamped with delayed activity. Prices will bottom earlier than expected. You won't be able to get a booking at a golf course. The school uniform shop won't have your size. The basketball tryouts will have three times the number of kids applying for places as there are places. There is going to be a massive amount of activity in the office market as employers rethink their current office and rethink their big CBD offices. You won't be able to get a park at Southland as everybody returns to their, not retail spending, it's an activity. They want 
want to get out. When you look at a car online, there are going to be five other people interested in it. All this delayed activity in the big capital items markets, housing and cars, is going to suddenly start. You're not going to be able to get elective surgery booked in until 2025. Your mortgage rate will rise. The petrol price will rise. The stock market will rise. And at the same time, you're going to find all the sexy current themed stocks are going to lose their shine. Not tomorrow. Not saying sell them all. But buy now, pay later is in the sweet spot. I do wonder after that 11% rise in APT, was it yesterday? Whether they aren't going to pull off the most marvellous piece of timing and get bid for right at the top of the COVID crisis. And that's not a prediction. And don't go and buy it for a bid or start writing Marcus thinks it'll be bid for, for goodness sake. It's just a thought that someone might just pull this off at the top. And you'll see the Kogan guys selling out of stock. The push pay guys selling out of stock. There are a lot of companies in the sweet spot at the moment. Gold is almost certainly going to lose its luster if we get back to normal. And all those specialty retailers that have absolutely seen a bonanza of people sitting in front of their screens, spending their money and spending JobKeeper stimulus checks. They're all going to see their growth plateau. They're going to chink glasses in 10 years' time and say, God, do you remember 2020? Wasn't that fantastic? And you never know, just maybe, if we can get over the virus, just maybe one day, possibly this year, more likely next year, we might just see a broker upgrade an earnings forecast on a major bank for the first time in five years. And if all this happens, we're going to look back and kick ourselves for not buying the following stocks. And at this point, I'll just refer you to the strategy piece to see the list of stocks, which is remarkably all the stocks we currently hold. In fact, there are a few in there that aren't recovery stocks. But the point being that we have positioned this portfolio for recovery. We have made the assumption that virus concerns are going to diminish that economic optimism is going to improve. And again, bond yields were up again last night. And that we have a recovery phase in the stock market that is worth exploiting. Interesting stuff. Meanwhile, our plan of action, which is, by the way, subject to daily reassessment, as yours should be, is to exploit the improvement in virus sentiment with this recovery trade and the improvement in economic optimism. And there are a load of numbers just slotting nicely in in the last few weeks in the US, which tend to suggest that the economic optimism has come straight back. So we're planning to take advantage of the recovery period, which we think is coming in these recovery stocks, then we'll look to move the portfolio, assuming a longer term bull market into a stable of growth stocks as the recovery theme becomes universal and exhausts itself. And we'll go from there. And as I've said before, we anticipate holding significantly more stocks than we do at the moment, probably in smaller sizes, giving us a spread. And with a focus on growth, we are going to have to be ever vigilant and on high alert for that precipitous moment in the market if it comes. So anyway, that's the plan. Betting on a recovery stage next.
Now, some interesting other things going on as well in the market. Jerome Powell has been written up by one strategist as likely to give a profoundly consequential speech on Thursday. He's talking at the virtual Jackson Hole Symposium tomorrow night, so we'll wake up to it on Friday. But the idea is that he's going to outline what could be the central bank's most active efforts ever to spur inflation back to a healthy level, which will include average inflation targeting, which means linking interest rates to inflation, but it also means, and this might be the profoundly consequential piece, that the Fed are going to allow inflation to run higher than normal for a period of time and discard the traditional Paul Volcker 1980s mantra of raising interest rates to quash inflation. They will let inflation run for a while and keep interest rates low. One broker suggests this will be a historic speech. Another says the Fed will target a moderate inflation overshoot during the recovery phase of this cycle as a way to avert Japanification, which in other words is economic stagnation. And the speech is likely to include a vow to keep policy as accommodative as possible until inflation and employment have stabilized and will include a commitment about keeping interest rates close to zero until their goals are met. Anyway, should be a very interesting speech. We'll wake up to it on Friday morning. Meanwhile, Citigroup's strategist, who's a bit of a perpetual bear, has has just raised his S&P 500 target from 2,900 to 3,300 based on unbridled Federal Reserve easing, negative real interest rates and the breach of technical resistance levels. He also said he is worried that investors have become overly complacent, ignoring many issues that would have been disruptive in the past and that valuations have become unattractive. But he acknowledged that earnings have been better than expected and that progress on the health crisis will be wakened. In quotes, we still think the market may be ahead of itself, but the Fed will do whatever it takes to prevent US stocks declining by teen-like percentages. Is the S&P 500 ready to drop 500 points? Question mark. No. Bear in mind, Citi is one of the major investment banks in the US. And whilst you get a lot of strategist comments, Citigroup are very careful before they throw out idle commentary. So they are basically saying, or you have one of the biggest investment banks in the world, in the US, saying that the market is going to be supported despite the current unattractive valuations. Meanwhile, I've got a chart of the ASX 200 in the strategy piece. You'll see we have been pushing the top of the trading range for some while now. It looked like yesterday with a market up 70 points that if we got two good days on the trot, we'd be through it. But of course, we've tipped over again today. So yet to get through it. There's a bit of vaccine optimism. There's chatter that Trump has an election surprise in the pipeline, which everyone thinks will be a vaccine authorization. Although Fauci says that you can't rush a vaccine or people will not trust it and will refuse to use it. But the vaccine train continues. Another company says its vaccine trials report no safety concerns. There is also some optimism on the US-China trade front. Both sides are said to support a deal and are committed to the phase one deal. Trump was expected, of course, to play the anti-China card for the election, but maybe not. And that's about it for today. Now, I've put in a few technical ideas at the bottom of the strategy piece today. You'll see the charts in there. Interesting buy signal on IOOF, although I've put the stock box in there as well. Actually, it's not that bad looking. Most brokers have a buy. There's one sell. It's 5.9% below the average target price on a PE of just 12.8 and a yield of 8.8 and has performed terribly just coming off the bottom. Ben and I talked about buying insurance stocks 
we were looking at Suncorp, and we thought whilst whilst there was a little bit of momentum ahead of the dividend, which I think Suncorp's gone ex-dividend today, IFL and Suncorp are the sort of stocks that we'll look back on in a month and go, why did we buy those? Just because there was one day's technical buy signal? I don't know. And usually, even when you see it, low PE. Stocks have low PEs for a reason. It's because people don't like them. Anyway, there is a buy signal on IOOF. Kogan, RSI sell signal. And of course, founders and CEO selling stock. And Blackmore's, rather a shabby set of results yesterday. RSI sell signal. You can see the chart. There are a few more buy and sell signals as well in the market, but we aren't about to buy anything with the market doing this today, but we are looking to widen our number of holdings and we we will get on with that at some point. Lots of ideas out there at the moment. Uh, that's about it for today. As I leave you, market oh, down 63. Not the best of days. You have a good day if you can, and I'll speak to you tomorrow.